All right, uh, Judges chapter 8, and we're going to start in verse number 22. This is our final message on Gideon. Judges chapter 8, verse number 22. Then the men of Israel said unto Gideon, Rule thou over us, both thou and thy sons, and thy sons' sons also. For thou hast delivered us from the hand of Midian. And Gideon said unto them, I will not rule over you, neither shall my son rule over you. The Lord shall rule over you. And Gideon said unto them, I would desire a request of you, that ye, may, that ye would give me every man the earrings of his prey. For they had golden earrings because they were Ishmaelites. And they answered, We will willingly give them. And they spread a garment and did cast therein every man the earrings of his prey. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Dear Jesus, thank you for another time you've given to us. Lord, give me the words to speak. Encourage these wonderful folks, Lord, our church, to serve you and serve you well. And Lord, help us. Give us your strength when we face temptation. I pray these things in your holy and precious name. Amen. This portion of Scripture, we'll read some more as we go along this morning. This portion of Scripture uh, shows the best and the worst of Gideon. This man had led the nation of Israel to a fantastic, marvelous victory over its enemies. The victory was totally amazing. It was divine, right? It was God's hand that did it. Uh, but God used him to be the leader. 300 men defeated an enemy that numbered 135,000. And those 300 men weren't elite soldiers. These were just common fellows who were banded together by God. And the battle was concluded. There was only 15,000 members of the enemy left. They escaped. That's found in Judges chapter 7, verse 7. It was a marvelous victory and carried out in such a way that the only one who can get the credit for it is God. God did it. God had performed it. And after that victory was won, Gideon even took the time to deal with a couple cities, small towns that refused to help his army as they chased out uh, the enemy, as they were fulfilling the will of God. And uh, we saw that recently, and it's just a good thing to remind it. It's a wrong, it's a dangerous place, sorry. It's a dangerous place to be found on the wrong side of the Lord, regardless of your individual motives. All right, it's a dangerous place. Now the battle's over. It's finished. The victory's been secure. Now Gideon faces the greatest test of his life. Before, he was just a farmer, right? He, he just did his thing in his little town. He'd been called by God to be a warrior. And through the great, greatest battles, the greatest battles were behind him. Now he's going to face a, a greater battle yet. Even though the one behind him was fantastically marvelous and huge, the one that was in front of him was even greater. So Gideon overcomes some criticism, didn't he? We we all face that as individual believers, and even as individ, even if you're here this morning and you're lost, you face criticism. But as Christians, we face criticism. We have a the sting. Gideon overcame the stinging criticism of his opponents, uh, uh, and that was from in his own in his own country, the, the opposition of his own countrymen by those cities, and then the the enemy itself opposed him. And when you read Gideon's story, uh, you see that he's able by God's help to overcome the external enemies, the ones that would bring him harm physically. He's able to overcome them. But now we see that he fails in the inner battle. He won in the field of battle physically, but he lost in the battle of his heart. 
And that's a battle that every one of us here faces. Uh, some of us, most of us, will never face a battle on the field of war. But we all face the battle of the heart. No one is exempt from that here this morning. And he's a vivid reminder, Gideon's life is a vivid reminder that it's possible to live a good life and accomplish good for God and do what's right, but end up faltering at the end and failing. Uh, hey, a good start's important in a race, right? That's important, but it's the, the, the best thing about a race is finish strong. Finish strong. And Gideon failed there. And this is a testimony to all of us. I'm not here to bash Gideon and say, oh, how horrible he is. This is a vivid illustration for us not to do as he did. All right, so let's take that uh, and make some good decisions. He made some bad ones. First of all, we say he faced secular temptation. Uh, Gideon faced uh, secular temptation. In verse 22, I already read it for you. The men of Israel come to him. They're impressed by the victory. And it was an impressive victory. I mean, that, there is nothing wrong with that. It's absolutely impressive. And they come to him and say, hey, can you rule over us? That word rule means to have dominion. That's the idea. They want him to be king. They offer Gideon and his family the kingdom. Here, here's Israel. Be our king. They offer for him. His sons and his sons' sons. I mean, they just offered him the whole, the whole shebang. Now, the people of Israel are like people of every age. The man that can give them what they want, peace, security, success, and wealth, is the man that every man wants to rule over them. Doesn't matter what age. Hey, that's, we've heard a lot in the elections about, I'll give you this, I'll give you this, I'll give you this, I'll give you this. Hey, everybody likes the idea of getting, don't they? Let's just be really honest. We like that idea. And so it doesn't matter what age and men and women, I mean, men I'm using, you know, to cover the whole spectrum of men and women. Now, even during Jesus' time, how Jesus fed a great multitude in John chapter 6, took the five small loaves, two tiny fishes, he fed probably 20,000 people. It's pretty amazing. Not pretty amazing. It's a miracle. Uh, the miracle performed by God that day demonstrated that He was Jesus. Sorry, the miracle performed by Jesus that day showed that He was God, and it pointed directly that He is a deity. He He is not man, and Jesus wanted His disciples and the people in the crowd to recognize who He was. No, the crowd saw Him. They saw Him as, "Hey, He can provide." He could take care of our physical needs. And they try to make him, they want to make him king. And Jesus slips away from that. That's not what he was here for at that time. One day he will be king, amen, of this world. He is king today, but he'll be here on earth and all men will bow. All men will serve him. <coughs> so it wasn't the time for him to wear the crown. And all Israel cares about at this moment is the fact that Gideon, a great warrior, had offered, had brought them peace. I mean, I'm sure that was, I mean, I'm sure there's many people in Israel who wanted it before Gideon even showed up, but now there's peace. And not only is there peace, now there's security. And there's some comfort. I mean, the enemy is long gone. We don't have to worry about coming through our house and taking stuff again. And thus they want to give Gideon the crown. The same trend can be seen in our world today, you know, and I'm thinking in the church realm. There, there's so many churches and Christians alike who are falling at all over one another in an effort to be like everyone else. 
Now, and you know why there's a the desire to be like that? Because that brings a degree of peace and security because we're not different, we're the same. Well, the Word of God's different, right? The Word of God's not going to line up society unless society lines up with the Word of God. Now, society is far from God's Word today. And there's, you know, we just need to have some people with some backbone say, I'm going to stand for truth. And even the idea of truth is under attack. What is truth? It's all relative. That's not true. Truth is absolute. It's absolute. Uh, but that's even under attack. So we just need to have some backbone say, hey, I'm going to stand for a right. You know, I, I can think of numerous churches during my, during my time. I'm only 43 years old, but I can think of churches who when I was a teenager would stand for things that today they say is totally okay. Totally okay. Uh, I can think of one right now, uh, the Moody in Chicago. Now, for a long time, they trained a lot of great servants. I'm not saying there's not good people there now. Uh, but for a long time, they preached against social drinking. Amen. Social drinking is not found in God's Word. But, you know, they just recently changed that. They said, we studied for a very long time and found out it is. No, no, you, you, you're, you're making your own interpretation. No, the Word of God still says the Word of God hasn't changed. Now, that's just one example. There are so many others who've changed their positions. Just, I'm not talking about moral issues. I'm talking about doctrinal issues. They said, oh, no, we've changed the last 10, 15 years and even further. Why did they change? Ever think about why do people change? Why do churches change their positions? I think part of it is to be comfortable. To the idea that they're going to have more people. They, they don't want to put up any barriers. Listen, the Word of God will convict. Amen. It convicted me. That's why I got saved. You know, God's Word convicted my heart that I was a sinner. I was lost. I needed Jesus Christ. You know, so the idea is that just to be comfortable, fit in with society's viewpoints. Now, the reality is, society should never be the driving force in the church. If that's the case, you need to get out of that church. Society is never the driving force. The bedrock that every church is to be built on is the Word of God. And the Word of God doesn't change. We need to be in a church that the Word of God is the bedrock. And we're built upon that. And so I understand that there's so many out there like that. Just comfort, security, comfort, security. Gideon refuses. Verse 23, I will not rule over you. Neither will my sons. We won't rule over you. He sees the request. People usually should have been thanking God for the victory, not Gideon. And Gideon knows that he did not defeat the enemy. He didn't defeat the Midianites. He didn't defeat them. It was God's power. And people should be worshiping God and thanking God for the victory. They fail to see that Gideon was just an instrument. Gideon was used. He was willing to be used. God used him. He was the instrument. But God was the one who had the power. He was the one who needs to be worshipped. And Gideon does exactly what he should have done. He refuses. He says, no, I will not. The Lord shall rule over you. Wonderful thing. He's absolutely right. Uh, and it's the same today, you know. Uh, th- so the majority was coming to Gideon and say, hey, we want to make you king. And he says, no. You know, that, there's other portions of scriptures where the majority comes and says something, wants to do something, but they're wrong. Uh, I, I think of the time in Nazareth when Jesus preached in the synagogue. The people, uh, the majority of the people in synagogue want to get rid of Jesus. I mean, r- literally get rid of him. They were wrong. 
The majority of people refuse to enter Canaan land at God's command and it caused the rest of the nation to stay in the wilderness for 40 years. Beware of falling into the mentality that if everyone is doing it, then it must be right. Uh, you got to be careful with that. And uh, it doesn't matter your age. Now, that's a mentality that we talk to our kids about. Hey, just because, I mean, I lived in Newfoundland and my mom would use that. Well, if everyone else was jumping off Niagara Falls, would you do it? I mean, we live so far away. Mom, can't you get something a little closer home? You know, uh, But, you know, you all probably, who probably, no, I'm not going to ask who raised your hand who said it, but you probably said it. If you haven't said it, you heard it, if you're from this part of the world. All right, maybe in the Philippines is a high mountain or something, I don't know. Uh, but the reality is we all say it, just because, the, you know, to our children, and, and it's good, and we're instilling in them, hey, stand up, right? Stand up. Stand up for truth, even if you're all by yourself. Stand up for truth. That's a good thing to encourage the young people. Hey, adults, middle-aged, seniors, we all still need to stand for truth. We never get an opportunity to shed that responsibility. No, we always have to. So the, if everyone's doing it, must be right? No. No. You know, you know the reality is there's higher and higher percentages of Canadians uh, doing drugs now. Well, no, I'm not doing drugs. No, uh, you know, uh, stealing, lying, and things of that nature. Just because people are doing that doesn't make it right. No, we need to know what the truth is. And then uh, yield to what God expects us to do. <clears throat> As Christians, we need to understand that, uh, know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have God. Ye are not your own, for you are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your bodies and in your spirit, which are God's. So as Christians, we have a responsibility to do what God tells us to do. Uh, and that never finds, I mean, I've never seen it, especially in Canada. And I've never found that what God tells us to do is in the majority view. It's like, yeah, we should do what God tells us to do. Society-wise. No. Society's going to do its own thing. Now, we understand that we need to do what's right. And just follow God. And you might say, well, pastor, that's hard at that moment. The peer pressure, I understand. You're, you're not the only one who ever feel peer pressure. And you won't be the last. I totally get that. And, and, and it's tough at the moment to say no or walk away. Yes, I, I understand that. I get that. But you understand there's a greater price for the rebellion? If you say yes and do what you should not do, there's a price for that too. Now, we don't think about that at the moment because right now I don't feel comfortable. If I say yes, I'll feel comfortable up until there. You understand what I'm saying? Sometimes we can put it off. Say, I'll worry about it later. No, we need to stand right now. It saves us from a whole lot of trouble. Saves us. Did you notice when this temptation came for Gideon? It came right on the heels of the greatest success he's ever saw in his life. Right after. You're never more vulnerable to falling into sin than after you just experienced a great victory. Now, it's easy. After having that, well, we have whatever that situation is for you, and you're like, oh yeah, that happened. Woo! Yeah, I can handle anything. I'm good to go. And then you fall. Hey, it's just human nature. And I, uh, I mentioned this verse about my chili earlier. Pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. The wisest man in the world told us that. Solomon. Watch out. Gideon overcame this temptation with a firm no. No, I won't. 
He denied himself the glory. He denied himself the honor. And he delighted to bring glory to the Lord who justly needed. And you know what? We need to learn to say the word no. No. There's other words in English language I can't say at all. But I know how to say no. It's a really easy word. But we need to learn to say it in our own lives. Uh, I think about uh, Joseph uh, when Potiphar's wife came to tempt him. Uh, Genesis chapter 39. He said, no, I will not. And he left the scene. Uh, sometimes you need to say no to your friends. Sometimes you need to say no to your family. And a lot of times you need to say no to yourself. Yeah, we can convince ourselves of crazy things. You know, we need to get in God's word, see what God's word says, and then say, is it a yes or is it a no? You know, we just see the reality. It helps so much. We just need to say no on occasion. I'm not saying if, you know, see me come by and say, hey, hello, how are you doing? No, No, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about self-discipline. I'm talking about doing what's right. Talking about following God's will. If things will distract you from it, you're going to say no to that and you're going to follow God. That's what you're going to do. He faces spiritual temptation. I read down to verse number uh, 25, right? It's like a verse 26. In the way of the gold earrings they requested was a thousand seven hundred shekels of gold besides ornaments and collars and purple raiment that was on the kings of Midian and beside the chains that were about their camels' necks. And Gideon made an ephod thereof and put it in the city when even in Orpha. And all Israel went thither whoring after it, which thing became a snare unto Gideon and to his house. He faced a spiritual temptation. So first the people came to him and they made him a request and he denied, said no. And it was right to do that. Now this time, he asks, so he weathered temptation, and then with the next breath, he betrays his words by his actions. Uh, someone wrote, the people wanted Gideon to have dominion, but he wants a donation. I thought that was good. I thought that was a really good... He wants a donation. He asked them to gather all the gold earrings that they had collected from the corpse of the enemy's uh, soldiers. Now, this is a contrast. One hand... He exalts God and refuses the authority to be king, the sovereign. He says God is. But then he gives in to the temptation of wealth and spiritual things, I believe. We'll talk about that in a moment. Turn down one temptation only to yield to the other. And boy, it ends up having some bad consequences for Gideon and his family. There's a response that people did not even hesitate. They didn't say, well, you know, we don't, we don't think that's a great idea, Gideon. They immediately went and did it. They just went and did it. They, they, they get all the stuff together. They cough up 1,700 shekels of gold and garments and ornaments. So just the shekels of gold, that equals the 1,700 shekels of gold equals 57 pounds of gold. So this week I did a little, you know, what is that today in our market? That would, that amount of money is $1.2 million in just the gold. And it talks that that's not including the other things. I mean, this was the biggest offering ever. You know, talk about a preacher flipping out about a big offering. This is a big offering. I mean, this is massive. 
And they just simply hand it over to Gideon. Here it is. Here it is. Now, we can't get too hard on them. I mean, a few moments ago, he said, no, God did this. Give God the glory. And then he's saying, well, give me all your money, the things that you earned here. So, you know, they kind of got in a bandwagon, didn't they? It's easy for us to get caught up in a bandwagon that's not ultimately glorifying God. We need to watch out for that. We need to make sure that anything that we embrace in our lives can be backed by the Word of God. Amen? What are we doing? Can it be based upon God's Word? Can it, you know, can it be? Is there principles that we see that apply? So he took that gold. He made an ephod out of it, and an ephod was a garment used by the ministry of the holy, uh, the holy, uh, sorry, the high priest, not the holy priest, the high priest. It was a sleeveless outer vest that came down to the hips, and the high uh, priest of Israel wore that and, and had twelve stones in the front, where it represented the twelve tribes of Israel. And in the pouch on the front, they contained the urim and the thurim, which were stones used to discern the will of God for Israel. So Gideon made an ephod, a high priest's prayer garment from gold, and then he takes this thing and places it in Orpha, the town he's from. So what's so bad about that, you might say? Well, we see what happens in verse number 27. We're told that all of Israel went whoring after it. It means to commit fornication. The people of God went after this ephod and worshipped it because it represented the victory over the enemies to them. Because remember that all, all, it was, it was produced from all what you captured, all the goods of the spoils of war. And, and this is what this is. This is what it represents to them. And so now because it's in Orpha, the people are not going to the tabernacle in Shiloh. That's where God's at, right? That's where He was at the tabernacle. Now they're going to Orpha to worship this ephod that Gideon built. Beware of anything or anyone that draws you away from the Lord and His worship. You be weary. You be diligent. You watch over. There's just too much of that going on today. And I understand with the access to information that we have, and you can find this guy, and you can find this guy, and you can find this one, and this thing, and whatever. Hey, use some wisdom. And say, hey, does this follow God's Word? Hey, get in God's Word, folks. Amen? Get in it. The answers of life are in here. The principles to live by are in here. And don't get caught up with what everybody else is saying. What does God say? Anything that hinders you from worshiping Him and away from Him is dangerous and it leads to idolatry and ultimately can lead you to apostasy. I mean, let's just be careful. No matter how right it seems, if it's not according to His plan, it's not of God. If you can't see in God's Word, don't do it. No matter how many people may be doing it. Why did Gideon do this? Why did Gideon do this? We're not told. But I want to make a suggestion. I want to make a suggestion to you. It may just be that Gideon, while he did not want to be king of Israel, we've seen that, right? He, he turned that down cold. No way, I'm not having anything to do with that. Maybe he wanted to be the spiritual leader of the nation. Now, just follow. This is why I'm making this suggestion. Now, obviously, the high priest of Israel was not doing his job. 
Right? I mean, he wasn't. And he hadn't been doing it for a while. And maybe Gideon thought, well, I can do a better job than him. I mean, after all, let's think about this. We've we've traced uh, his story so far, and we've seen him come face to face with God, right? He had a face to face with God through an angel. And the Lord had called him and spoke to him. Uh, you know, the Lord had used him in miraculous fashion. Uh, he may have assumed that now he was more qualified to lead the nation in the worship of the Lord than anybody else in Israel. If that was Gideon's intent, and again, I can't prove that. It's just a suggestion from me to you. I can see how a man's mind could think that way. If that was his intention, it was clearly in violation of the Word of God, though. Clearly. Gideon was not of the family of Aaron. He was not a Levite. Gideon was not a priest. And neither did the Lord miraculously emplace him as a priest. He never did that. He actually, uh, you know, that wasn't what was going on. Actually, because of what he was doing now, he was drawing people away from the tabernacle where they should have been at Shiloh. Now they're coming to Orpha to worship a piece of clothing. His intentions were absolutely wrong. Now let's, I mean, and again, that's, that's my suggestion. But I can see how it goes again through the mind and emotions of man. Uh, but maybe, maybe that's not what it is. And, and maybe at the very least he wanted to give God the glory. Well, he did it the wrong way, didn't he? You think someone would have said, Hey, uh, Gideon, what about the tabernacle? Shouldn't we be going over there? We don't hear a word. It's really quiet on that front. There's not a word spoken that we have recording God's word. Snare. The ephod became a snare. So we say that they went a whoring after the Israel did. And then which thing became a snare unto Gideon and to his house? The word snare has the idea of a trap. This ephod was what Satan used to destroy the testimony of an otherwise wonderful man of God. Now, Gideon demonstrates a lot of confusion, doesn't he? Here's a man who claims to know the Lord. And from all accounts, he did. I have no doubt. Well, actually, we know in Hebrews that he's a man of faith. He's mentioned in, in the halls of faith. So he definitely knows the Lord. He turned down personal glory. I don't want to be king. He give it to, give that glory to God. That's who deserves it. But he allows himself to get trapped in this. And, and you, you read it and you're like, how did you do that, Gideon? What were you thinking? Did you bump your head running after the Midianites? Like, come on. This is, I mean, like, what are you thinking? We don't know exactly what he was thinking, but he wasn't thinking it through God's prism, was he? He wasn't saying, now God, should I do this according to what I know from your word? Be careful what you do in your life, church family. There are plenty of things that can come your way that appear so innocent on the surface. And often, often we fail to understand that they could be a trap or they could be a tool used by the enemy against us. Uh, and before you go embracing anything, before you go, uh, you know, 
being the, the mouthpiece for something or jumping on someone's bandwagon or the latest great idea, it's important to ask some questions. Now, I'll be honest, I mean, it's not always fun to be asked a question because sometimes it shows that we haven't really thought through the process. You know what I'm saying? You know? You know, my kids uh, or someone's kids might cook every, every bit of chicken nuggets in the house. and like, why did you do that? Well, I'm hungry. Well, you can't eat all that, can you? No. So when will we eat all that? I don't know. You know, the idea is that we need to think through it. And that's a very minor issue. Cooking too many chicken nuggets, they always get eaten in my house anyway. Uh, but the reality is we just need to think through some things. Ask some questions. Like a really good question before you get on the latest, greatest ideas. How will this affect my life? How will this affect the lives of others? Now, we, we as Christians need to understand that we are accountable to God Almighty. Amen? And we need to know what He wants us to do. Now, there's going to be times where you make decisions for Jesus Christ and others will not like it. But they have to deal with God about that. Right? Yeah, absolutely. You know it's God's will. You're based upon God's word. You know this is what God is. But how is this going to affect the lives of others? Will people be left out by this idea? You know, you're trying to follow that, you know, the, the latest, greatest idea. Is this thing I'm thinking about doing, does this honor God? Does this honor God? Does this demonstrate true Christ-likeness if I do this? How will this idea affect my church? How will this idea affect my testimony? All very good questions, and I'm sure we could find other ones too. But we need to stop and pause and think about things before we rush into them. How is this going to work? You know, is this going to work out well? Is this what God would want for me? We need to make sure that we're following God's will for our lives. You know, unfortunately, uh, when we, even when we do stand for right and do things, there all, there always will be some who oppose us. But when that opposition comes, we can say, hey, I'm doing what God tells me to do. And that can help you sleep at night, amen? You put your pillow, your head on the pillow at night, like, you know what? I know I'm doing exactly what God told me to do. I'm going to be honest with you, sometimes, uh, as a, Man, I feel stressed with the job of being a pastor. Honesty here. But I can put my head on the pillow at night and say, I'm doing the best because I know this is what the Lord wants me to do. Yeah, absolutely. It's what God wants. Uh, and so for us, we need to make sure that we're on the right side of God's will for our life. You don't want to be on the wrong side. Gideon lost his testimony because he failed to keep God first in his life. And don't think for a moment that only can happen to Gideon. That can happen to any of us. Be sure it's God's Word and His will that motivates us through this journey. He faced some social temptation. Down verse 28, Thus was Midian subdued before the children of Israel, so they lifted up their heads no more, and the country was in quietness. For forty years in the days of Gideon, Zerubbabel the son of Joash went and dwelt in his own house. And Gideon had three score and ten sons of his own body begat, but he had many wives. And his concubine that was in Shechem, she also bare him a son whose name is called Abimelech. 
And Gideon, the son of Joash, died in a good old age and was buried in the sepulcher of Joash, his father, and Orpha of the Abizrites. And it came to pass, as soon as Gideon was dead, that the children of Israel turned again and went to whoring after Balaam and, and made Baal birth their God. And the children of Israel remember not the God of their, uh, the Lord of their God who had delivered them out of the hands of all their enemies on every side. And neither showed they kindness to the house of the rubble, namely Gideon, according to all the goodness which he had showed unto Israel. So he weathered that first temptation, right? He successfully got away from that. The second one, he failed. And finally, in the social realm, he did horribly. Let's be really honest. Gideon was a celebrity as a result of the victory. And there's no doubt that that's a temptation after any kind of big victory like that. There's temptations to wealth and power and glory. And uh, I think Gideon allowed some of that success to go to his head. And like I said earlier, sometimes our greatest successes can lead to great defeat. You need to watch out. Uh, there's other places in the Word of God we see it happening to God's man as well. The life of Elijah. He stood on top of Mount Carmel in the power of God and saw God give a great victory. First Kings chapter 18 talks about that. Then he outran King Ahab back to Samaria in a chariot, he outran a chariot. Man, I'm telling you, if that happened to me, I would be telling everybody I met about that story. I mean, I outran horses. I mean, come on, that's amazing. That's, I mean, it's all amazing. The, the miracle, on the, I mean, it's just amazing what God did. And then he's threatened by Jezebel. And he runs away in fear. How's that possible? What would, can you remember what happened up on the mount? Can you remember running down the mount? Like, I mean, what is going on here? Elijah's greatest victory came on the uh, greatest failure, so he came on the heels of the greatest success. Be careful. The same truth be in your life and mine. You've got to watch out. Gideon was a compromiser. He took many wives. Uh, we, we do not know of anything about many wives until after the victory. We don't know of anything about that of his many wives. We don't know how many wives he had, but apparently enough to have 70 sons. And even all those wives weren't enough because he had concubines and mistresses and everything else. Now, polygamy was tolerated in Israel at this time, but it was never authorized by God. It has never been authorized by God. Always has been wrong. Uh, in the beginning, marriage. And marriage is at the beginning, right? Genesis. The beginning. Uh, man, one man, one woman. That ends a lot of debate in our world today, doesn't it? One man, one woman. The first polygamist was a man named Lakem. Genesis chapter 4, he was of the line of Cain. Had no regard for the will of God. In Deuteronomy chapter 17, verse 17, the rules of Israel were forbidden. It's specifically putting in the laws of the land to have multiple wives. So that definitely affected Gideon. It's always affects Gideon. God knew that many wives would divide the hearts of the kings and pull them away from God. That's clearly, evidently seen in King Solomon. Now, uh, 1 Kings 11 talks about it. Verse number 3. And anywhere you find polygamy in the Bible, you find problems. Problems. Abraham, David, Jacob, Solomon. And you, you go through it, You'll see problems. 
Massive problems. Gideon apparently believed the law no longer applied to him. He seemed to have the idea that he could do as he pleased, and so what about the consequences? So some of the consequences he didn't have to face, though, did he? His family did. And this is a struggle for everybody who is present in this auditorium, everyone in this church, everyone in this world. The struggle is not, it's not about us pleasing ourselves. You know, that's what the world tells us though. You're number one. Do what you want. Do whatever you want. Whatever makes you feel good. Have you heard those statements? Absolutely. As Christians, we need to be striving to please the Lord. That should be our desire. That should be our want. Lord, help us not to be found in the column of Gideon here. Gideon was a casualty at the end. This great man lost his testimony. He lost his influence. And he lost his family. After he died, the people, man, they went headlong. And the reality is they were in idolatry already, right? Because they were whoring after that thing that Gideon had made, that, uh, that ephod. They were already in idolatry. Now they're just headlong, downward slide. Is Down they go. And when Gideon died, he was regaled to the past. He was the past. And the people totally forgot about him. That he had delivered them. You know, in our world today, there's a lot of forgetting, isn't it? It's all about right now. Who cares about the past? It's all about right now. In chapter 9, we're not, I'm not going to continue with Abimelech in this series. This is the last one on Gideon. But Abimelech was the son of Gideon through the concubine and from Shechem. And he thought that he should be king. My dad wasn't smart enough to take that crown. My dad wasn't strong enough to take that crown. So I'm going to take it. So through a series of events... He killed every one of his brothers, 69 brothers. Talk about the sins of this generation affecting the next generation. 69 brothers were dead so he could be declared king. Well, he died too. Committed suicide. He lost his family, everything he worked for. The lesson here for us this morning is when we walk in ways that are not His ways and paths that are not His paths, oh, the consequences are not good. Let us learn from His, Gideon's decisions. Let's learn from them. Let's make sure that we're acting the right way towards God, towards His people, towards His Word and according to His will. Because they speak pretty loud. Our actions speak pretty loud, don't they? How we live. Be careful how you act. You know, as much as I would love to say, be like Gideon, right now we're like, don't be like Gideon. This is an example for us not to be like. Oh, be like Gideon and follow God with those 300 men against the vast enemy, 135,000. Yes, 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 be like that. But this, don't. Don't be like this. Oh, so many great victories. Saw God do so many wonderful things. And some horrible decisions lead to some really bad things. 
doesn't have to be that way in our lives, though, amen? It does not have to be. We can live well and we can leave well, amen? Just every day, hand to the plow. Do what's right. Do what's right. Let's make sure that we're leaving a good testimony to those behind us. We're passing the torch. We're telling them to live the ways of God. We don't need anyone else like Gideon in this context. We need lots more who will face the enemy. Yes, that Gideon, yes. We need more like that. But let's not fall to the temptation like Gideon did. And it's all around us. Maybe not today for you, but it'll come. Temptation will come. With every head bowed and every eye closed, The Lord has spoken to you about some area of your life. I, I don't know what's going on in your heart and mind. I don't know. Maybe there's some things that need to be brought under His control again. Maybe things that are a little bit out of whack. In a few moments, we'll have an invitation. You pray to Him about that. Maybe He's shown you through circumstances, through this message, through your own life, that some decisions you made, they err. Get those things right. Time to break from those situations is right now. If He's speaking to your heart, this is time to take care of it. Don't put it off to a more convenient day because that day will never come. Dear Jesus, thank You for Your Word. And Lord, help us to face temptations and we all face them. Various degrees, different people, different things. But Lord, let us Look to You to provide the way of escape, the strength to face it. Lord, I pray these things in Your holy and precious name. Amen.